0: If you had the
1: chance, would you change the world?
0: Welcome. I am your host, Ebony Gustav, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I interview mutual aid initiatives and cooperatives from around the world who are creating alternatives to our current economic system. The Global Center for Advanced Studies, otherwise known as GCAS, is the world's first institution of higher education cooperatively owned by the faculty, staff, investors, and graduates. Students are able to utilize blockchain and earn cryptocurrency while getting debt-free education. It's a model designed to challenge the status quo and co-create regenerative systems. In this episode, I interviewed the founder, Creston Davis, and PhD researcher, Kim Miller, about how GCAS is filling the voids within a traditional college model, supporting students during and post-education, creating collaborative learning environments, securing graduates with assets instead of debt, and more innovative tools. Hello, Kim and Creston. Welcome to the podcast. Like most college students, I've incurred quite a bit of debt and question where all the tuition money is being funneled. So I'm really interested in learning about how GCAS is shifting the common student debt narrative through cooperative ownership.
2: Wow. It's a big issue, isn't it? It's perhaps the most important issue for the younger generation, folks who are going to college or thinking about it. And it's really crippled. If you look at the economy from a bird's eye point of view, it's really crippled the the younger generations. And now folks in their 30s and early 40s, they're still paying their student debts to such a degree that they're not able to make lifelong commitments, uh, purchase cars and houses. And so the long-term effect on the economy with 1.6 trillion student loan debt and growing by $3,000 a second, is uh, it's damaging for even if you believe in capitalism, it's not good for the growth of the economy. And so, yeah, we decided to create a model that would allow students to not only not go into debt, but any investments that they make in tuition and tuition levels are pretty modest, very modest. In fact, um, when they graduate, they get that, that tuition investment in ownership shares in stock so that they become not just a graduate but they become an owner and co-owner with the faculty and staff and other graduates so it's a it's a cool model
0: yeah i would love to learn more about the model and the voids that it's filling in and how the traditional college operates
2: well we also have uh, kim here is one of our phd researchers she's also on the faculty of arts school in in milwaukee or in chicago is it in
1: What's Milwaukee. In Milwaukee,
2: yeah. And uh, oh. go
1: ahead. Um, well, I mean, I think Creskin can talk much more um, clearly about the organizational model of the college sort of um, and how the financial side works, but from the student side as a PhD researcher, um, the PhD is accessible in this program where it wouldn't be maybe otherwise But I would also say that that kind of radical um, 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 bureaucratic or administrative structure is reflected also in the curricular structure, in the community that then um, GCAS has built between faculty and students. Um, And really all thanks back to Creston, who is incredibly generous in all kinds of ways, but also as, although I don't think you would call yourself this Creston, as a community organizer, also in that he's able to um, put people together, uh, not just locally, where in a traditional university PhD system, only folks of a certain um, maybe philosophical school are gonna work together, but Creston has a global reach. So I'm able to work with um, an artist in Chile. We have um, a researcher who's doing really radical work in South Africa on land reparations there. Um, And, and (laughs) Creston's able to put these folks together and, and that only enriches everybody's scholarship to come up against um, philosophy enacted in these really radical different ways. So the, the kind of what I think and understand to be radical financial model of GCAS is really reflected in its pedagogy and in the community that then um, comes together around that model. And Kristin can talk much more about the, the the structure of that thing, but from the student perspective, that just ripples out, and it's the um, uh, it, it, it 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 helps us to like understand how learning and knowledge comes in lots of different forms. So I think philosophy. Um, Tends to be thought of as like a dead white man's field when in fact um, the researchers in the PhD program at GCAS are doing philosophy in really radical embodied ways, as I said, land reparations. um, um, Walter South was looking at creating affordable housing in New York City. um, You know, really just putting um, this abstract into the concrete in exciting ways, which I think again is mirrored in the structure
2: the whole, the attraction of education allows, I think, the, a conduit, a catalyst through which different cultures uh, and different uh, perspectives are able to come together, um, obviously using technologies like the one we're using now, but uh, but also meet up in different places. We, we also do in-person seminars in places like Havana, Cuba and 30 other places around the world, Athens and and other places, South America. So we're really trying to challenge not just the debt culture, the economic, the neoliberal, colonialist, white supremacist model that is is just killing the earth in terms of just carbon output, but it's also really slowly killing off inspiration, creativity of the younger generations. And so by designing a model that is, is directed towards liberation, um, is directed towards creativity, and uh, offering ways that we can care for the, for each other, um, not just in terms of support for research, but also economic support. I mean, after all, one of the lies that we were constantly being fed uh, when we go to education is, um, yeah, you'll, you'll get your support, you'll have your You'll have your gym that you can go and exercise in, you'll have your lazy river, and you'll have your NCAA sports. And what you don't get is care for the student after they graduate when they're in massive debt. And so to bring all that together in one ethos. Now, it's not a monolithic ethos. It changes for every new researcher that emerges. We just brought on, for example, uh, Ten- Tenili, uh from Sri Lanka. And she's doing queer, um, she's looking at queer histories in Buddhism. And um, and so every time we bring in a new researcher, we call students researchers because we're all searching together and we're researching. And through each other's eyes, we see what we ourselves can't see. Uh, as a white man, privileged, um, I'm able to see and learn and hopefully change my um my privilege, my entitlements, so that we can learn from each other. So our our ethos shifts in relationship to each other. Um, we're not very big. We have a couple hundred uh, core community members, and our new degree programs, of which we have bachelor's, master's, and PhD, are filled with, they're relatively new, and uh, we have around 50 uh, researchers in degree programs. So. It's, we're growing, we have different nodes around the world, and um, COVID's been a challenge in some ways, but it's also been a way for us to get out the message. Why, why pay 40,000 a year to go to you know, Notre Dame in Baltimore or, or uh, University of Maryland College Park when you're doing Zoom? And in our, in our instance, we've upgraded the quality. Um, you have a supervisor, you have peer groups that meet up, and we're all working together to challenge the paradigms that we're being taught to overcome them and to do it in ways that are creative and productive rather than this stalemate of left versus right. We like to think of coming together and inventing our own ethos. Um, so yeah, and that, that goes all the way down even to our crypto economics. We have a crypto token. It's not like Bitcoin. It's a it's a community token that we we were able to earn uh, various uh, assets in that way. And you can use those assets for purchasing books or purchasing more stock in the ownership when you graduate or just, you know, using them to pay down tuition. So that's what we're trying to create. And we're always changing this model. We're, we're in, we're a dynamic, um, yeah, we're, we're kind of always changing and changing. Um, But what doesn't change is our quality levels and our policies. Like Kim is finishing up her PhD dissertation, working with what's the guy's name at at NYU that you're working with?
1: Um, Andre Lepecki. Yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of the the research. I don't. I think the end is coming, but no. Okay.
2: (laughs) But but you're able to work with the renowned artists and performers and and think, and also study with top level um, theorists who are challenging, you know, status quo, um, you know, eurocentric, American centric philosophy. And we also do like things like um, we did the Black Lives Matter. Um, you were part of that, Kim. Uh, when we had guests uh, when the Black Lives Matter e- e- emerged over the summer and spring that, called into question for the first time, I think, really in American culture, since the civil rights, um, started calling the certain privileges into question in ways that actually were translatable into suburbia. Um, I don't know how far it's gotten, but um, we were, you know, we did programs to that effect where we had special guests so that we could get out that information to start building resources together to, um, yeah, in communities and and, different platforms. And there's your cat, Kim, on the couch. That's so cool. Need no attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's wonderful to see creatures about. <laughs> How about you? Uh, uh, um, where do you go to, to college or, or where do you go to uni university?
0: I did a quick stint at Ithaca College, and I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology as well. Um, So I really appreciate the model that you guys have created because it's so different from the traditional model in the sense that it feels competitive when you're in school, especially like in a design school. Um, And you guys have really created this global network where people are um, culturally exchanging with each other and sharing knowledge as well. to really question um the current system in general and i again because of all the debt incurred it's so um heartening to see that the the researchers that leave gcast they end up leaving with assets instead of debt um and They're putting assets into a regenerative model rather than being forced into working for an extractive model to repay their debt.
2: That's a great way to, I think, articulate the model. It's it's a it's a pro cooperative generative model. I like how you how you express that and that competition. I mean, if you think about it, it's there because I mean, you're put into a kind of laboratory in a university where you're paying so much in debt that you, re- you know each day that you're in that class or in that university that you need to have that degree so that you end up being competitive in the workforce so that you can earn enough damn money to put a roof over your head and to live with some form of dignity. Right. And that, that's a downward pressure onto the curriculum and how you exchange ideas in a classroom uh, and we like to think that the competitiveness is, you know, our ability to say something to each other, to write something is an act of cre- of community creation rather than an act of, oh, I got to get that job, that corporate job in New York or in, that internship, you know, working at a fashion show or whatnot. It's, we're all in this together. And when we succeed, we earn tokens that everybody, because the value of the token is not simply like we're taught this dollar belongs to me. It's the tokens belong to the whole community. And the value is is exponentially created in that participation. So it's a different model economically. And yeah, so yeah, anyway. And
1: again, I think I teach at an undergrad art and design school in the Midwest. I love my students. I love my college. uh, But every day I witness the incredible debt that they're incurring as you're saying, Ebony. Um, and, and I see the financial aid office at my college just busting their butts, trying to like put these packages together for students. So, um, uh, and then, so all of that pressure comes into the classroom. So as a professor, um, I'm faced every day with this expectation from students of how is this piece gonna help me um, get a job? And so that there becomes that also um, uh, track that education leads to your participation, as you're saying, in an extractive system. Um, and um, where's my piece? And again, to Creston's to point, that there is not this sense of a collaborative learning environment, um, a collaborative creation. Um, again, I love my students at my college and my heart breaks for them for that struggle that they faced. I was able to go to undergrad at Cooper Union in New York City which also had a tuition-free model at that time and so I think that kind of shaped my expectations of what education can offer um, and was able to sort of for whatever reason you know sidestep or circumvent that 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 expectation that education is going to lead to x career x opportunity yeah and I got a elbow the other person out of the way to get it um so yeah it's just it, it's heartbreaking what students in the u.s face um and the inequity right so there's also that piece <laughs> of like uh inequity of opportunities inequity of funding opportunities um learning differentials uh achievement gaps all of those things and those start in the u.s for sure at the educate at the uh, elementary school level and before that
2: yeah. one example of that cooperative learning is where our bachelor's program that started in September the researchers in that program and they're all pretty mature they're in their late 20s early 30s so they decided to travel and live life um, sort of that gap year became a gap decade for them and uh, so they're mature They're they're seasoned in terms of you know understanding how the world works um, after, you know, 10 years after you're 18. And uh, they all came to the professors teaching uh, the first semester. um, And they said, well, look, we'd like to teach a class uh, through each other. So we'd like to design our objectives together as a cohort. So that bachelor's cohort is teaching a course through each other, designing it, They've done that. and It's going to start next Tuesday, and they're working with how to how to how to bring out one's own gifts and how to nurture those gifts through a collaborative environment. But it doesn't mean, though, in this sense, that the individual disappears. Uh, in some ways, uh, like Kim's able to do her research with us uh, in very in in answering specific questions that that Kim has and the other researchers have. So it's not like you just dissolve as as an individual, but it is like we challenge that hyperized individualism, that competitiveness.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in my own research in a different way, but hopefully intersecting is with this idea of freedom and freedom to be human together. So freedom, not meaning do whatever you want, but freedom as responsibility for others, um, and, and of course, what does human mean? And through collective embodiment, somehow. And so, looking at different models of collective embodiment in art, in politics, in society, and are there ways that we can structure, rehearse, or improvise this choreography in order to facilitate emancipata- emancipation, um, facilitate freedom, and freedom to be human? So, uh, like, All of those terms are huge and uh, need to be unpacked. Uh, But for me, uh, I'm also taking my artistic practice as a performer, choreographer, um, and applying it to my philosophical research as opposed to taking the philosophical research and applying it to the artistic practice. So really using my practice as another um, mode of research. And connecting what you're saying Ebony in that um, your practice maybe in this past year of forming cooperative journal and interacting with people as a way of testing out what are these models or what else could happen or how can we move towards freedom how can we move towards changing everything right to to quote um Wilson Gilmore like how do you what needs to change just it's really easy everything needs to change Um, And that can be so overwhelming, and yet just pick something, (laughs) pick something, and um, we can all uh, uh, like be working towards this um, radical future. And I think also in the arts and in design that offers possibilities for imagining the radical, imagining a future, imagining a utopia, imagining the impossible, uh, and there's a really productive power in making that happen. And so also your efforts sound super exciting and really necessary and and, in showing us like these models for what's possible out there besides just this extractive model.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I've learned is that creating the world we want doesn't just have to be this utopian model. Like there's tried and true models that people have implemented and um, we just have to make the choice to change
1: right right yeah and i think that's a really important point too is like sometimes there's this compulsion for the new and like let's think of something that hasn't been done but in fact there's a lot of um lot of things out there that have been done grounded in the concrete grounded in the material and um things that we can learn from for sure
0: yeah well i would love to hear more about your degree at GCAS, and um, maybe you can talk a little bit about what you love most about the courses that you're taking.
1: Yeah, um, the courses kick my butt. Um, so I, I sort of backed into, so I'm getting PhD in philosophy, social and political thought, but I really backed into philosophy from um, performance and, as I said, performance art and choreography. Um, and so For me, there's um, this really wonderful challenge to come to understand um, some of the terrain there. And um, uh, it's been good and and, and difficult. Um, And again, very supportive environment for these things to happen. So um, looking at Alain um, am working lately with Hortense the, the work of Hortense Spillers and um, Sylvia Winter and her definition of um, a new genre of human. Um, so, like bringing together different realms of philosophy that maybe didn't intersect in the textbooks. And in my own practice, what I'm my, my sort of dissertation is this idea that there is um, a collective embodiment um, that. Uh, Can rehearse a model for emancipation or freedom, um, as well as use improvisation. So um, sometimes transposing these terms from the art world into the social or onto the political, but also looking at artistic social and political models um, and thinking about audience as collective embodiment, thinking about relations between um, these different pieces and, 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 and how to engage or activate those relationships and improvisation, um, connected to this idea of freedom. Again, improvisation, not being just do whatever you want, but improvisation grounded in history, grounded in different forms of knowledge, including knowledge of the body. Um, but that in the moment when you don't know what to do, what do you do? And, and that being kind of a a guiding, um, uh, principle for improvisation and um, looking at, again, talking about not necessarily forging forward into the new, this like neoliberal model, but like, what are some examples of this? Where has this happened? Um, and looking across culture and art and history for those examples, but also then putting into practice uh, in my own work, some of those models. And, and um, so testing out different uh, forms of choreography as the potential for moving towards this idea of freedom to be human together just
2: all very vague <laughs> maybe but um... I have a question for you kim did you were did you when you came into the program what were you intimidated by the philosophic the the heavy-sided like uh, ideology philosoph philosophy critical theory were, was that uh, psychoanalysis in some ways was that intimidating for you
1: well i wouldn't say intimidating but it was definitely uh, opaque for me so there's a lot that i felt like i didn't necessarily have access to but my own personality is that i'm not necessarily going to be intimidated by it but that definitely difficult and um, in some places i came with a background in some critical theory um, but um, yeah i would say that i did have to Put in some hard work to understand some of the vocabulary, of course, really encouraged and, and nurtured by my peers and faculty and never felt like um, less than because I didn't have the vocabulary and, and concepts at hand that others did. But it was definitely a a, a learning curve. Well, that
0: really puts into sp- Perspective: something um, that I heard recently about how organizations look to the future and they kind of have this uh, doctrine where it has to go this way no matter what's going on in the environment currently and that instead of doing that, we should sense and respond, um, which speaks to what you're talking about and especially during this time. It's like even though we do have models that we can look to, how can we shift those models to make them more appropriate for the current time? Um, so, I think that's really awesome what you're doing. And I mean, it could happen in simple ways
1: the organization of the furniture in a classroom, um, uh, you know, rather than all the chairs face the faculty, put everyone in a circle. So, something as simple as that could be social choreography. You know, architecture in all kinds of ways, um, as you're saying, organizational models or mission statements or a vision for an organization, um, and also thinking about how you measure those things and 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 um, what 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 would be a measure for success? I think
2: um, I was also thinking too, like the how we use language to welcome each other, welcome differences of ideas into a conversation, as opposed to what we're so used to seeing, this kind of reality show of fiction versus reality, and or, you know, in versus out, us versus them, and so on. So I think the choreography is also in, as, you, as you've, I, I worked with Kim a little bit on the language side of, of how, how we use language really develops who we are as, as human beings, as subjects. And so th- yeah. those of yeah.
1: I mean, I definitely came into the program with a way more, um, I don't wanna say casual, but maybe thoughtless <laughs> sense of using language sometimes and not seeing how my lack of care in language could maybe impact reality, right? So like just understanding um, a more precise use of language, which is maybe more exciting than (laughs) making it sound, but it's like really radical, like the calls coming from inside the house, like the way I'm thinking is shaping my language, which is shaping my reality, which sounds simple, but a pretty profound kind of realization for me as well. Um, and, And just back to what you were saying, Ebony, about sensing and responding, I just think that's giving me a lot to think about, thinking about an organizational structure, and I wonder what kind of leadership, maybe this is a question for you, Ebony, is like, or how do you facilitate that kind of um, sensitivity or, or, or like responding in the moment or being able to make decisions rather than have that structure imposed upon you? How do you, how do you facilitate that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I'm currently figuring out myself as I'm working in more cooperative environments. It's um, because you want everyone to have a voice, but also to have some type of structure. Um, And I think that that can be difficult to navigate, especially as people are not, um, like, we're not taught how to work in cooperation.
2: Well, I was just going to say uh, the structure is really important um, when you reflect upon the structure. I think cooperatives oftentimes are run by personalities, and there's a lot of ego uh, in cooperatives because uh, it's potentially, well, a lot of a lot of cooperative structures are, you know, two or three people burning themselves out and everyone else sort of just doesn't know how to fit in. And one of the things that, you know, as we were designing this, the structure of GCAS, the Global Center for Advanced Studies back in 2013 was, and, you know, it took us a year or two, and it's still, we're still tweaking it, um, was to think through a structure that is predictable, that's, that also what is welcoming, and it's tweakable. Um, but if it's and one of the things that's helped preserve us from it being hijacked by personalities or egos or burnout is um, the structure of for our accreditation in the EU that helps us, it gives us a target, it gives us policies, it gives us like our ethos and And we're able to discuss that in our governance, our academic council. They make decisions about hiring and curricula, uh, irrespective of what I think. Uh, And our faculty make decisions. And and students are part of that decision-making process. But as long as everyone understands where they are in that ethos, out of a sense of respect. And it's not, there is some hierarchies in some ways built into a bureaucratic structure. but we try to challenge those hierarchies. We, we, we identify them, we know they're there, we know what the challenges are, and we, and we work through and around them in creative ways. So creativity is always that. And I think creativity in a culture that's so designed for it's me, 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 I gotta make money, I gotta succeed uh, in the rat race. Uh, you know What we miss is that creativity, that, that wellspring of joy, of play, and of of improvisation that Kim's talking about in terms of social choreography, and trying to keep that space open. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're focused a lot on history of ideas, on crit- being able to think through critically colonialization, to think through critically race, um, white privilege. You know, the economic structure is um, is. W- I think in the traditional education at the university, you don't get an environment that challenges you to think critically about unjust structures. You just simply accept them. You're blinded to them and you might be exposed to aspects of them, but uh, at certain points in classes, uh, punctiliarly or in a fragmented way. But what we try to do is understand that as a whole. And I think that's what makes distinguishes who, who applies to GCAS versus who doesn't. Um, Those who apply tend to see the model, they get it. And they're like, okay, I want to be part of something bigger in the act of learning and self transformation and changing the world, you know, both ecologically, um, as well as, you know, in all these other ways. Yeah, that, um,
0: makes me think of accountability in cooperative structures like what you were saying that there can be a few people that are putting in all the work but how do you make sure that everyone is um, working towards the same mission and i think the blockchain model that you guys have created um, helps with accountability and the tasks that people complete so maybe you can speak to that a bit
2: Sure. Absolutely. You know, one of the key essays that is like at a foundational level for GCAS, the Global Center for Advanced Studies, is Louis, Louis Althusser's essay he wrote in 1969 called The Ideological State Apparatus. Big words, okay? But essentially, it's a very simple question that he's asking. How, how does capitalism or our state environment, how does it keep reproducing itself? Why is it that because it's so unjust and so asymmetrical and so creates these vast inequalities in terms of race, economic inequalities, gender inequalities, and so on. How does it keep going? And so with that question, I was thinking, how can we create with others like Tata Vaden was a, a designer uh, in the blockchain structure? How do we create a, an, envir- an educational ecosystem? that can keep reproducing itself. So we don't go to the banks and beg for money or beg for a debt, that how can we do that together? And that we, we suddenly realized, well, wait, there's ways in which we can provide value, like tokens for publishing a paper or for completing a, a, an assignment for you know, publishing an article in the GCAS review. And with those tokens, they're able to use them and pay down their their already very low tuition of a couple thousand a year, pay it down even more. And in one case, we have a a researcher, PhD researcher, who's going through the entire program without spending a dime because he's he's working with this ecosystem. And so it's the, the idea of decentralizing the concept of value. So that it's not simply understood in terms of like a centralizing power, like a bank that controls how you think, what you do, how you spend your money, who do you partner with in life, you know, et cetera. We, we 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 created this, the, what the blockchain is a decentralized technology that allows you to track contributions in different ways and so we just we thought why not create that in a mode of education transformation as the jet, as the machine or as the engine that continues to reproduce itself through the very actors who co-own and that's the that that's that, it's the beauty of, of our ecosystem in that respect does that make sense yeah
0: absolutely um, and i I think I was reading that the blockchain technology could also be used um, eventually so that people can see their history of what schools they've been to as well. Um, So I think that's really important for credibility as well.
2: Our ledger, for example, classes that you complete are posted in the blockchain so that you can you have a key, and you can share that key with certain information with certain parties, so that it's not open to the whole world. But let's say you're applying to an employer, uh, employ for employment, and you can share a key and say, "Well, just here's the URL. Here's just type this in or copy paste this in, and you can see how I perform it, or how I, what what my interests are in terms of what I did at GCAS College, for example." So there's ways of, 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 doing that, that it's a lot less money to do it that way than to send paper uh, around and it's encrypted so that you can't, you can't tweak it. It's there. And so, and it's time stamped, which, so you can't go back and change it. It's, you know, it's just as secure as your money in a vault, let's say, to use a, a rather banal metaphor, an unhappy one. Yeah, so there's there's different ways we can use blockchains. Uh, and there are other ways too. there are many other ways. Um, it's really fascinating, this technology of decentralizing power from, you know, systems that control that power and manipulate you into living a certain life rather than living your dreams, let's say.
0: Yeah, well, since you're speaking about technology and innovation, um, you're also doing some pretty progressive things at the Research Institute. Can you share some of what you're working on there?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad that you noticed that uh, we do have a a non for profit research institute that's um, that is in Ireland as well. And what we're doing there is uh, we're doing gamification and we're gamifying learning uh, outcomes uh, through VR and AR technologies and through different applications. So the goal here, and it's at the early stages in the development stage, but the goal is to imagine doing a bachelor's degree by going through a game. Now, what do I mean by game? It it can mean simple, you know, a game, like a game console that you're used to playing, but it also goes through different phases. Like for example, You debate a a civil rights court case, and you learn the ins and outs of how to win that case or uh, how to grow, how to understand the maneuvers in in different environments. So, and and if you don't do well, you repeat it. And if you pass, you get tokens that you can use to go through the next phase. And so, the whole idea is to build assets while you're building knowledge through gamification. And uh, I don't want to share too much with you, but it's, it's, uh, it's a a totally different world, like holographic uh, potentials, where you're in a room like I'm in now here in London in a flat and you have people around you from all over the world for, you know, you, Ebony and Kim in Milwaukee, you Ebony near Baltimore and so on. And, we're able to interact at a, at a 4d level. And that changes the way you think as opposed to a 2d level, which we're on right now with the, with the zoom. So we're developing these things and it's really exciting. And, uh, yeah. So that's one of the things we're doing at the research Institute.
0: Wow. That is very, very cool. Um, and yeah, that just shows how, technology can be used as a force for good like we have all of this technological innovation why not use it um in a way that can really um enhance our knowledge and enhance our environments to be more beautiful
1: yeah and even on a more simple level than what creston's describing um dr lewis gordon who is our President always talks about um, uh, that. Right now, in this environment, we're not socially distanced; we're physically distanced. And this um, this technology does allow us to gather in new and, and interesting ways. We may never have met you, Ebony. If, you know, we hadn't been in this this context, um, and so there are possibilities even on a simpler level with technology besides the 4D or 5D or 6D, 6D, let's go for 6 Let's
2: go for six, why not? We'll be on Mars before Elon Musk.
0: Yeah, um, so I know that GCAS empowers their graduates to be agents of transformation in the world, um, which I wish is something that I would have done when I, or had access to when I was in college because, um, that would have saved me some time. Um, but I did do my own experiential learning as I was traveling, but I'm curious to know um, what are some of the courses and tools that are offered to support researchers after they graduate? And even during, Kim, you can speak to that too. Sure,
1: I can speak about during. It seems like Kristen is frozen. Um, but I, yeah, because I haven't graduated yet, but, um, the courses that, um, have been offered are really varied and I haven't um, enrolled in all of them because again, each of us are creating our own program of study and curriculum. Um, I focused when I first started at GCAS on the theory of the subject. And I think I came in again from a critical, um, um, uh, like critical theory perspective of the subject and in some way still, um, should we wait for Creston to come back or do you think it's okay?
0: He should hop back on. Um,
1: The uh, theory of the subject, I came in thinking um, in some ways still, although I would have denied it, but having these echoes of a neoliberal model, even though I would have said, no, I don't. Um, and and realizing much more complexly how, Mm -hmm. in fact, um, the subject never exists in isolation and that it only, um, the subject is a set of relations with others as opposed to a hermetically sealed individual. Um, And through that theory of the subject, um, worked a lot with Alain Badiou but quickly moved into my own trajectory of research, um, enabled by, as I mentioned, Dr. Lewis Gordon, who's a really amazing scholar. You should really check him out too, because he has a lot of really accessible writing on um, freedom um, and uh, lots of different things. And he's um, anyway, he's amazing. Um, so uh, and moved into thinking about the collective. So. Um, uh, then there was another uh, um, semester on the post-subject and post-humanism, and I really struggled with this idea too of like the post-human, what is that, like robots, you know, like, or uh, if we haven't even achieved humanism, if you look at all the ugliness of American society, let's just keep it there, like how could we say we're beyond humanism when we're not even recognizing, you know, humans, uh, that, you know, hum- people's humanity. Um, and so but it, you know, so I, it took me some time to like understand and have a, a grasp on this idea of posthumanism. I took some courses on psychoanalysis, um, and ideology. And um, then, as I said, developed a, a more of my own course, but I still am taking um, different classes. There's one right now on capitalism and unfreedom the idea of unfreedom Um, um, but my own research has moved into hortense spiller's um, sylvia winter and and thinking about how we actually define this idea of human both how has it been defined and um, uh, what can we do productively right now with that definition Um, and i'm also like just to be frank but this is i think another value of the program like rather than say okay i'm going to um use marx's theory i'm making this up marxist theories to inform my research i'm trying to use my research to inform um my philosophy work so um what i know to be true through my own artistic practice <laughs> like where then can i take that in terms of um, the coursework Hi, hey, Kristen. um And then there was yeah, there's been a series of um, I think uh, um, summer classes along with the Black Lives Matter series, which of course Black Lives Matter did not start this spring and summer, but um, there was of you know as Preston was saying a um, awakening in maybe suburban America and places that never had to confront this idea of white nationalism as being foundational to the United States culture, um, United States government of the United States, um, suddenly that became a thing. But it was also linked. And, and again, Dr. Lewis Gordon was um, delivered a series of really wonderful talks linking COVID to the Black Lives Matter movement um, through this idea of I can't breathe. And so I really, you should look him up and there's some talks on YouTube from him where, they are the same thing on some level um, of this idea of who's allowed to breathe, who's allowed to be human, who's allowed to be free, who's allowed to exist. Um, and so the the coursework really has a wonderful range also from what I appreciate about Dr. Gordon is his kind of pragmatic, although he you know has his PhD from Yale in philosophy and he's incredibly learned, he's also able to break it down in everyday language to the very technical, um, philosophical language of some of the courses, which is also really important because you're entering into this field and you need to know the um, range and capacity of ideas there. So within GCAS, you get this wonderful, accessible range of of knowledge as well. Um, And and I forget the course that Pancho taught, but um, this was another one, it was on, Um, I believe, social engagement in art. Um, So there's also some art classes and and aesthetics um, to frame it in that language.
2: We also have um, a bachelor's in an incubator bachelor's. So one of the guys who started Yelp, Preston Yonker, who is on our board uh, is really into this idea, which um, is, Theoretically, it's um, students come and they can design businesses as they're moving through their bachelor's degree, and it's part of the degree rather than it being separate. So someone like you who's interested in the fashion world, let's say um, you could develop a, a, you know, a minimum viable, viable product and pitch a pitch a business idea. And we'll invest in that idea in exchange for owning part of it, just like you would in a normal startup. So in that sense, you would own part of GCAS, and GCAS would own part of what you're doing in exchange for the startup funds. And in that sense, we can grow out our network in a kind of you succeed, we succeed, we succeed, you succeed kind of way. And in a way that gets outside of, The normal startup culture, which is you basically have to just genuflect to a millionaire to become your angel and nine times out of 10, in fact, almost every time they steal your idea and through, you know, through leveraging contracts or whatever. And so all that work you've done and creativity that you had, not they, not the ones with the money had, but you had stays with you in this model. In fact, we support that. So that's one, that's one idea. And we, you know, we just had our first graduation uh, in August and, you know, our graduates like um, Susanna is now a principal of a, of a, of a pretty uh, really top notch prep high school. Uh, she, so she finished her PhD in education with us. Steven Bueno was just offered a job at Penn state university and in Villanova. So people are getting positions and jobs uh, as they graduate from GCAS, so.
0: Wow, this is brilliant. It makes me wanna go back to school. And (laughs) yeah, Kim, I love what you were saying about um, how you're learning ideology and philosophy, um, but also how to interact with humans and how and what it it means to be a human and then with the incubator you're getting feedback and investment into a business before you even graduate so you feel more secure once you have graduated um so my last question um just to kind of round everything out is how do you envision a changed world
1: that is such a good question. Um, it's something I'm thinking about a lot, and I noticed I noticed when I stumbled to define it clearly and what that also says, and that to me says I need to do more work. Um, but for me, uh, I'm really trying to work through this idea of what do I mean by emancipation and liberation and freedom, um, and what does it mean to be free, to be human together, to um, be able to collectively care for one another as individuals and nurture those relationships. Um, And yeah, live together, (laughs) live together. Um, And I, for me, and I'll turn it over to question, but for me that, that is the struggle right now to, and, and to define it in a positive way. So of course, live together not outside of race, but live together while living race, while living ableism, while living gender, while living sexuality. How do we live together with those things? So again, not freedom to ignore, um, but uh, freedom to live with and uh, uh, acknowledge difference and um, a kind of radical love, which I'll just drop and turn to, um, turn to Kristen
2: on that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Kim, you're, that's right. And it's, there's little wonder while you're, why you are part of GCAS. I think there is that, Mm. that sense. It's anybody who gives you a recipe for what the, the best world would look like is, is sitting in a closed off room and, and comes, you know, writes it up like a philosopher. And what we, I think what we're trying to do is, you know, live out that, that expression, I think Gandhi said something like, be the change you want to be, but build the model of social organization in an education project like a college that lives out what it it would be together. And so it's not something that, you know, I publish in a book, but it's something that, a life that we live like, you know, Kim and I and the other researchers and, and we're in this together. So, um, and meeting people like you, you know, having conversations that that are honest, that are honest with challenges that we face, um, but also a sense of the connection itself gives you a sense of hope, and that's that's something that's so precious and re- and yeah. rarely recognized.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hope as a methodology, hope as a way to navigate the world, so that it's not. I hope this is going to work out for me. <laughs> There's sort of no um, object to your hope. It's just a way that you um, move. And I, I I do think that that's part of GCAS, is like that that hope can be a methodology or a method
2: for life. Damn, is that a, a candle lit behind you? It is. Yeah.
1: You know, I am creating a vibe here. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. That's really great. I, I'm getting it. You know, I'm getting
1: it. I got that's a vibe, nice. yes. Yeah, you know there's other stuff you don't see I got I
0: got my crystals like you do what you got to do here
2: yeah perfect that's wonderful yeah
0: I love that um and yeah I completely agree with both of you but especially what you said Kim about radical love and finding love across economic race lines like how can we love someone that has completely opposing views of us because we know that something within them is actually a reflection of ourselves so
2: Uh, yeah
1: which is a really difficult and kind of ugly truth to come to sometimes yeah absolutely
0: well Um.
2: It's been a pleasure, Ebony, talking to you. And Kim, it's always nice to.
1: Yeah, thank you both. And thanks, Ebony, for reaching out to GCAS. Really wonderful. And um, congratulations on your exciting work as well.
0: Thank you so much for your time and energy. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible. So please help me by sharing, leaving a like, and a review. If you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com. Because I didn't say save the world, I said change the world, improve it, make it better
2: than we find it.